0: Have you heard about 5G networks and mobile edge computing, but not sure where to start? My name is Robbie Belson, and on today's episode of the MongoDB podcast, I'll share my experiences from Verizon as we unpack the hype behind 5G and 5G edge. You're listening
1: to the
2: MongoDB podcast. MongoDB podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. So, Robbie, it's great to have you on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Tell folks who you are and what you do for Verizon.
0: Sure. So my name is Robbie Belson, and I joined the Verizon corporate strategy team back in October 2019. And beyond leading a lot of our developer go-to-market strategy efforts, I actually lead our uh, developer relations function for our 5G edge or mobile edge computing portfolio. And so really what that means is day in, day out, I get to spend all of my time with developers, building content, working with the community, providing educational materials, maintaining our 5G Edge blog on Medium, and so much more. And it's just been so much fun to see what the developer community has been building and really trying to develop tools to help enable that next generation of Edge-enabled and 5G native applications.
2: And a little bit about yourself. Are you a developer? Do you have a developer background?
0: I do, uh, I come from the uh, networks and distributed system space uh, from the academic world. So I spent a lot of time thinking about web optimization and specifically how you can optimize quality of experience without actually changing the underlying connection itself. We call this more or less when life, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, but with the internet itself. so. Played around with all sorts of things like HTTP2, quick, playing around with scale factors, and it was a lot of fun. And I quickly realized that most of the foundations of networks and distributed systems often manifest themselves in the real world in the cloud. And that's what got me excited. And so I also come from a full stack dev background and was brought into Verizon really to think about from a strategy perspective, is there an opportunity to go after the developer audience in a way that maybe we haven't done before? And in thinking about 5G Edge, and our mobile edge computing portfolio more broadly as that catalyst to really engage the developer community, what would a go-to-market motion actually look like? And if you fast forward about a year and a half later, now we have our developer relations function. And it's been super exciting to lead that effort here for the Verizon team. So is the mobile edge computing portfolio that Verizon has, is that their first
1: kind of entry into building a developer community that's open to everyone?
0: That's a great question. I would say that we've had a number of developer-facing products over the past few years, especially as you think about Thingspace, Verizon Thingspace, which is our IoT portfolio. We offer a variety of cloud storage options in the consumer domain, so for your smartphone simply to back up photos. So we have had in the past developer-facing assets. And of course, Verizon Media has a number of assets as you think about the CDN offering, as you think about various media assets. 5G Edge was a different opportunity, because at the end of the day, it was cloud resources. And we almost like to describe it as an invitation to the party here being the DevOps, SRE, and cloud infrastructure community, that quite frankly, Verizon has never really been a part of. And so we saw this as the perfect opportunity to attract that developer community and tell the Verizon story beyond just an IoT story, beyond just a CDN story. And we could tell a much more holistic narrative around, how 5G will transform the way we work, the way we play. And finally, start to think about how network intelligence can actually play a role in orchestrating application performance.
2: Yeah, that's a really fascinating piece, the network intelligence piece, because I think with the volumes and velocity of data, you know, we're looking at in the future, there's going to need to be some intelligence added. But before we get too deep, we, we have an audience that is is largely developers and they're focused on writing applications and maybe even focused on the MongoDB platform to a large degree. Maybe some of them aren't familiar with what 5 G E is and what the 5G Edge represents. Can you talk a little bit about that at a basic level?
0: So the way that I often like to describe Verizon 5G Edge, it's not a phone. It's not a network. It's actually cloud infrastructure resources. And more specifically... Verizon 5G Edge is our mobile edge computing portfolio that itself comprises a number of infrastructure solutions that takes best-in-class compute and storage from our hyperscaler partners and brings it within our 4G and 5G networks, both within the public and private domain. And what I mean by that is let's take Verizon 5G Edge with AWS Wavelength as an example. For those of us familiar with AWS, We have this understanding of each region has a series of availability zones, each of which don't share a single point of failure. But what if you took that concept of an availability zone and brought it within the 5G network? So now, a mobile device to reach that cloud resource, to reach that Kubernetes cluster, to reach that VM or EC2 instance, you don't even have to go through the public internet. You don't have to incur the latency budget associated with that best effort service. Instead, it's right there. And It works whether you're on a 4G connection or 5G ultra-wideband connection. It doesn't matter. Relative to that next best alternative being the parent region itself or the cloud regions that we're all familiar with, you're going to be able to shave such a significant percentage of your latency budget and in turn drive that more performant user experience. And that's just one example of our portfolio. We also have private mobile edge computing solutions where we bring, as an example, AWS Outpost right within the customer premise and say a manufacturing environment. And then we embed a private network. So it's really all about meeting the customers where they're at today, designing that custom solution for them, depending on the application that they're trying to build. But no matter what network they're leveraging at the end of the day, we bring compute closer than ever before. So when it comes to Verizon 5G Edge, this I mean, this might be a silly
1: question, but are we talking strictly, is this bringing things closer strictly for mobile devices or does this infrastructure that 5G Edge
0: offers, does it expand further than that? That's a great question. Today, we're really focused on delivering that mobile-first experience because from a home broadband connection, If you have that fiber link to your home, by and large, the performance that you're looking for in a VR environment, in a cloud game environment, you have that experience today. But the second you leave your home and you try to go deliver an immersive VR experience, but from a dense urban metropolitan area, that's incredibly difficult to provide to end users. There's such a gap between the experience in a mobile domain and the experience in a home broadband domain. And so we're really focused on optimizing that mobile domain so that we can create a more uniform experience from when you're in the home and when you traverse, let's say, across a city. You want to have that same experience. And the best way to deliver that is to create infrastructure resources that are uniquely focused on the mobile edge. So one of the things that I like to say is that mobile edge computing is not a replacement for the cloud. I've seen many articles that try to talk about edge versus cloud, demystifying the hype of mobile edge computing, something to that effect. But I would argue that they're actually very complementary in nature. It's not an either or, it's an and. It could very well be, let's go back to that VR example, you have everything you need, both the stable network connection and the compute resources in the parent region today to serve the performance requirements that application entails. But it's when you leave the home and you want to have that same uniform experience as you walk around the city itself, that's when you're gonna need mobile edge computing. So you need both. But if you need both, you also need the network intelligence to figure out where you are and in turn, where should you connect? Knowing that you have an application to connect to, but not where is an incredibly difficult challenge and one that Verizon is uniquely addressing with a suite of APIs that we like to call our edge discovery service that optimizes how you connect. And that's such an important problem to solve because that's what's really going to take mobile edge computing to the next level when it's one application designed to work just about anywhere.
2: Let's say I'm a developer and I'm working in the mobile space. What's the vector that I'm going to begin to experience this technology? When should, you know, when should I start to think about leveraging this type of technology and and what are the tools and services that I'm going to want to research when I begin my journey?
0: There's so many ways we can take this. And perhaps we start with the use cases themselves. How should I think about building at the mobile edge? Perhaps I'll look to other companies and other peers who've already built in this space. And so as you think about what people have already developed today, what I have seen to be most effective is those who leverage the mobile edge, not just for marginal performance improvements, not those who simply want a faster AR app because it would be cool, but rather those who develop an application and by using the mobile edge have transformed the way the application is actually designed. Perhaps not only within the cloud itself, but the resources surrounding it. And one of my favorite examples is in the video broadcasting domain. Because today, to get your uh, linear TV experience, very likely, especially in a live sports domain, there's a camera a bunch of fiber cables, a broadcasting truck, a satellite link. This is incredibly capital intensive activities that are not fairly, that are not very mobile and not necessarily very agile. But now what if I told you you could deliver that same experience and that same performance to end users in even greater real time. And on top of that, all you needed was a 5G enabled camera and all of that purpose built hardware could be virtualized within the edge cloud. So you get the best of both worlds. You don't have to incur the cost of that purpose-built hardware, but you still get the performance improvements as if much of that equipment was on-premise or very close to it.
2: That's amazing, and I love the promise of that. You know, it's democratizing really high-quality production, really high-quality applications that leverage, you know, things that were typically out of reach just because of the amount of data and and the infrastructure required. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I know you talked about edge computing versus cloud computing and, and in today's world, you know, there's both and they both can coexist, but do you see a, a point in time where there's a convergence? You know, you, you talked about television and broadband and we're seeing that today. You know, I believe that my my kids will probably not know the difference between the internet and the television. I'm wondering if you see this in the network space. Uh, do you think there'll be a convergence of technologies that will be this hybrid of mobile versus, you know, s- traditional conventional internet infrastructure?
0: That's a great question. I think what I'll say is as developers build applications for a 5G enabled world, the goal is first and foremost to abstract away the complexities of the network itself. At the end of the day, the consumer doesn't care how they're connecting to the application. They want their immersive experience and they don't really care how it's being delivered. And so if architected correctly, the aspiration is all of those handoffs or graceful failovers between cellular, Wi-Fi, home broadband, mobile edge, parent region happen seamlessly. And I refer to this problem space or domain as application orchestration, particularly as it involves the network. So my future that I think a lot about isn't just applications being developed for an increasingly immersive domain, an application that was designed to be good enough for today will have that that much more rich assets that are embedded within that virtual space in which you're interacting as one such example. But it's not just the application experience that's going to be transformed. It's going to be about how does the application behave as you begin a session within the home and you continue the session within a car as you drive a thousand miles? Are you going to have that uniform experience And what is the application doing under the covers to facilitate that application experience?
1: So you brushed on this a few times in the episode already, but I kind of want to get into the deeper details on how developers can make use of Verizon's 5G Edge. So maybe you could walk us through it. I mean, say I'm a developer and I've developed this application or so on and so forth. Am I setting up Verizon 5G Edge on strictly an infrastructure level and it acts as a middleman? Am I including it as code in my applications?
0: Walk through the deeper details. Absolutely. And this is one of the things I get most excited about because it's never been easier to build on the mobile edge because of how we expose, particularly our public flavor of mobile edge computing. And if we take Verizon 5G Edge with AWS Wavelength as an example, It's all about that AWS console getting started. You opt in to the Wavelength Zones within the region, and then when you create that VPC, that logically isolated environment of your cloud resources, today you create a series of subnets corresponding to availability zones within the region. All you need to do is create yet another subnet within the Wavelength Zone itself. And remember, Wavelength Zones are basically just availability zones, and they look and feel the same within the console. You just add another subnet within the wavelength zone, you attach a carrier gateway, which is a flavor of internet gateways that provide the natting capability between private IP addresses and what we call carrier IP addresses. Those those that are exposed within a pool of resources within that mobile geography. And then from there, you're off to the races, EC2 instances, EKS clusters, ECS clusters, and for those services that don't natively exist at the edge today you have your gateway and interface endpoints. So we really tried to make this experience as seamless as possible. And for the DevOps engineer in the room, I'll be the first person to say that this is just that AWS experience you know and love, and you don't have to tackle the underlying complexities of the network itself to do it. So just to confirm, so say I'm just the average mobile
1: app developer. I don't ever have to integrate any Verizon code. Or say I am a Android kind of core engineer that's actually building the Android operating system. I don't have to worry about adding Verizon into this mix. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. And that's by design. All you need is to leverage that console or CLI or SDK or CDK. And we're deeply integrated with all of those deployment methods. Launch your infrastructure. And then, of course, from there, as you think about DNS, service discovery, there are certainly opportunities to leverage the Verizon suite of services, particularly in the edge discovery domain. And I do want to call that out because while it's true, you can have that AWS native experience for Verizon 5G edge and AWS wavelength. As you build your first app, you're going to run into some challenges that we're trying to address sooner rather than later, particularly in the domain of, well, today, if I'm developing an application for the East coast, All of my traffic is probably going back to one general geography, perhaps northern Virginia. But if now I have to choose between Boston, New York City, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Miami, and Dallas, just to name a few, and those are all wavelength zones within the U.S. East 1 geography, how do I know where to connect? Particularly when those carrier IP addresses themselves don't talk to DNS. DNS has no idea these carrier IPs even exist. So you need a new solution. And that's what the edge discovery provides by having a service that basically abstracts away the complexities of who am I, where is my phone, and how do I know what the most optimal, not even necessarily lowest latency, but most optimal endpoint taking into consideration a variety of factors of the desired application performance and experience, that's incredibly powerful.
2: It's like a new layer of routing with intelligence built in specifically for the mobile play. That's and exactly. I, I love what you're talking about because it's truly meeting the developers where they are. You're pr- providing a tool set that they're already familiar with, AWS. So, yeah, okay, so I'm excited. Let's talk a little bit about the numbers that folks might be able to experience by leveraging this type of approach.
0: Absolutely, Mike. And I think the best way to answer that question is just provide a great example with MongoDB. And so as you think about the developer relations function that I currently lead, what's very what's always been really high in my mind as I think about those three C's of developer advocacy and content, community, and advocacy, is I needed that content and I needed to work with partners who've already developed experiences that lend themselves to the edge. And I had heard about, as an example, MongoDB Realm, this idea of being able to sync edge databases with some parent region seamlessly and being able to resolve conflicts as you think about conflict resolution. And so I wanted to figure out how that might play into the concept of Horizon 5G Edge. So one day I was uh, skiing out in the uh, Colorado area. So it was more or less around the Denver area. And today we have a Denver Wavelength Zone. And so I wanted to see if I launched a MongoDB database, I believe it was just open source Mongo in the Denver Wavelength Zone, And I launched a very similar database on just a single EC2 instance, also in that next best alternative in the Oregon US West 2 parent region, what happens? And so I ran a a very basic exercise, created a very uh, simple collection. And I had a write request followed by a read request, which I timestamped. And I ran it a few thousand times. And what I was expecting was to see some performance benefit from the edge relative to that next best alternative, given that Oregon was something like a thousand miles away from me and uh, Denver was right there. And what I found from an end-to-end latency perspective, I found that the edge saved more than 40% of my overall latency budget, just to give you an example. And oh, by the way, I was using 4G. We already mentioned that Verizon 5G Edge with AWS Wavelength supports Really all of Verizon mobile clients, as you think about, doesn't matter if you're on 4G or 5G, it just works because you don't want to have to deal with that complexity. And so as you think about the performance benefit there, I got really excited about the opportunity to work with MongoDB because one of the other things I was seeing was that the whole promise of mobile edge computing is about delivering that ultra immersive experience to end users. And we talk a lot about immersive experiences, but we haven't talked a lot about personalization. And when I think about personalization, you need environment data, you need telemetry data, you need profile data, and to me, that just screamed MongoDB. You need to have that profile. Uh, you need to have that profile information rather within some sort of document-based data structure. And so I really wanted to explore this further. Of course, outside of the open source domain, I needed a clustering solution. I needed something that took care of this idea of either an active architecture or a replica set. And I knew that MongoDB would be the right choice. And over the past month or so, I've had the opportunity to collaborate with your DevRel team, thinking about what can we do? What is the art of the possible? And we've experimented with everything from Cloud Manager deploying a replica set, not only within the edge, but spanning the edge and the parent region. And then we started to think about how ops manager can play a role in that workflow. How do we think about MongoDB realm, not even just running on the device? but running on the edge infrastructure itself and then using DB Realm Sync to then take care of conflict resolution between edge or multiple edges and the parent region itself. So we've been having so much fun together, and I'm super excited to see what we come up with uh, over the next few weeks.
2: Fantastic. I love the use case. Speaking of use cases,
0: let's talk a little bit about
2: the art of the possible as it relates to some of the things that application developers can now begin to think of with this new capability in place. What are some of the use cases that you see coming down the
0: pike? Oh boy, there's so many to choose from. We talked about earlier video broadcasting, and you can think of that within the overall media and entertainment vertical. And so in that space, we're seeing everything from immersive AR, VR, XR telepresence, contactless checkout, venue experiences. You can also think about in the healthcare domain, the ability to disintermediate purpose built hardware to do things like image classification at scale where you're trying to detect if the current video feed for say a colonoscopy or endoscopy procedure, if in fact you're seeing polyps or anomalies that could potentially lead to cancer. And so the idea being that whether you're talking healthcare, media and entertainment, automotive, as you think about sending basic safety messages to one another, um, there's so many opportunities from a use case perspective. And we've had a lot of great customers. And One of the biggest themes, again, isn't just about making an experience faster. It's about changing the way the application was built. So now in the video broadcasting domain, you don't need the broadcast truck. In the case of a healthcare use case, perhaps you don't need that on-premise GPU that's taking care of that remote-assisted surgery. You can virtualize it, and because it's multi-tenant infrastructure at the end of the day, you can have multiple mobile clients in different physical locations all sharing that same pool of resources. And that's when I think the experience becomes particularly compelling.
2: I'm curious, just from an infrastructure perspective, 5G represents such a massive difference in the amount of bandwidth available. How has this come together and how long has the journey to 5G taken? I don't know if you're prepared to answer this, but but I'm certainly curious about it.
0: Absolutely. I think the best way to describe the why 5G story is yet again, just to provide another example. And so we've talked a little bit about manufacturing, and that's certainly a large use case, not only in the public domain, but also in the private mobile edge computing domain. If You have that, those cloud computing resources on-premise, coupled with that private network. That gives you the opportunity to start to reimagine your factory within the context of a factory of the future and Industry 4.0. But let's go back to 5G for a second. And my favorite way to describe this experience is, let's say you're trying to do some sort of computer vision, and we always talk about this desire for real-time data. But the reality is, in a 4G world, even if you're sending the most basic of basic single definition image, roughly one megabyte, and if we do some basic math, an average 4G uplink is probably something like eight megabits per second. And if we do the division, one megabyte divided by eight megabits per second, that's 1,000 milliseconds. So you already have a second gone in just transport, and we haven't, even con- we haven't even included the actual compute latency itself. So you're already over a second in a 4G world. Now let's do that same division in a 5G world, particularly in the scenario where you have Verizon 5G wide pent. If we do that division again, same one megabyte image, But now you can see uplink speeds in the range of 250 megabits per second. So without altering a single line of code, you're still using whatever inference server you're currently using at the edge or otherwise. One megabyte divided by 250 megabits per second, 32 milliseconds. So you just shaved 96% of your latency budget with changing functionally nothing. And that's, I think, what's so powerful about what 5G brings to the table. I want to give you one more example, if you don't believe me, if you're still questioning why 5G, or even a more co- uneven, an even more complicated and nuanced question. I get this a lot from customers. Hey, Robbie, I've already have that 5G connection. Why do I need 5G Edge? I already have super fast 5G, and that's fair. But let me give you a great example that showcases why you need it. I needed to create an experience that could show all else equal. You have 5G ultra wide wideband in both scenarios why would you want edge computing and mobile edge computing specifically so here's what i did i used my mobile phone and i was able to split my android phone into two screens the first screen the bottom half was my camera facing a millisecond clock and get this i set up an rtmp module at the edge and in the parent region so basically basic transcoding and web streaming capabilities so i would send this stream to that endpoint and then stream it back on the top half of my screen. And I had two phones. One that was having that experience today in the parent region. So in this case, I was using the Northern Virginia region. And in the second case, I was using the mobile edge in Boston. And both phones were in Boston. And so why did I divide the screen in two? Because I could see the camera facing the millisecond clock and the stream of the millisecond clock. So you could isolate the end-to-end delay, all else equal, same underlying access network, what happens? And here's what happened. The end-to-end delay in the parent region versus the edge, we saw latency shavings of over a whole second, 1,000 milliseconds gone. Imagine that. So now we can showcase it's not just a 5G story. It's not just a 5G edge story. It's both.
2: Wow. I love the app. So you mentioned RTMP. So it's basically a web camera application on your phone right? You're just pointing your phone's camera at a millisecond clock. And then you're, what was the top half?
0: The top half was the stream of the millisecond clock. You were subscribing to the stream of the camera facing the millisecond clock. So you could isolate the end-to-end delay.
2: Gotcha. Wow. That's pretty incredible. All right, Robbie, this is a fantastic discussion. I love what I've learned so far. I'm just shocked at the the diversity of things, of activities happening at Verizon. I really never gave it much thought. There's a lot of stuff happening in the developer space. First off, it's a fascinating space for me as a developer. I'm curious about you. How did you get into, well, how did you get from the academic space to, to Verizon? And maybe talk a little bit about what else is going on at Verizon. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, th- there's a bunch of ways we could definitely take that. But I I certainly wasn't expecting to get into DevRel. That- Definitely happened by accident, and I'll be the first to say that. But from from university itself, from my academic experiences, I spent a little bit of time in the crypto space, actually. I was working on a blockchain infrastructure project, so I'm always involved in infrastructure-related efforts. And this project in particular was a company by the name of BlocksRoute, and they were basically trying to become the CDN of blockchains, trying to scale the, the transaction throughput of the Bitcoins and Ethereums of the world. By creating a network that was both provably neutral and incredibly scalable, and they're a great, uh, great company. Would encourage you to take a look. But I realized that I really wanted to go back to cloud. I wanted to go back to the convergence of telecom and cloud. And Verizon gave me an opportunity to do that as they were exploring and really defining the concepts that would ultimately become the Verizon Five G Edge portfolio. And so when I joined corporate strategy at Verizon, I was expecting to think about our go-to-market strategy. Very much what you'd expect someone in corporate strategy to be doing. But we quickly found ourselves with this opportunity not only to define the go to market strategy itself, encompassing the developer as a target audience. Because as you think about cloud infrastructure, the developer is ultimately the decision maker. It's not just about the CIO. You have to engage the developer, meet them where they're at, participate in the channels in which they're participating. And that in turn drives towards an enterprise sale. And once we were able, to really convince our organization that there was an opportunity to engage the developer, we quickly found the opportunity to lead the function. And that was really fun because we've been doing everything from starting with the content. We launched a corporate engineering blog. We launched a developer newsletter. We started creating tutorials, reference architectures, immersion days, a biweekly Twitch stream. I was just on Clubhouse last night. We're trying to be as active as we can. And on top of that, Start to kick off a really robust open source program, taking all of the content we've been developing and encouraging the community to contribute there with us. And then from there, layer on really interesting integrations, like the one we just discussed here with MongoDB. And as we start to build that community of interest, we layer on that advocacy piece just to show developers the art of the possible. And hey, Verizon is here. Welcome Verizon to the DevOps party, as we discussed earlier. We took advantage of that invitation to the party. And we're here to dance. Fantastic.
2: Thanks so much for spending time with us. It's been a fantastic discussion.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
2: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com.